Section 8 of Modern England by Oscar Browning. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Pamela Nagami. Book 8, Mr. Gladstone, 1868 to 1874. Book 8, Chapter 1, Irish Church and Land. The chief members of Mr. Gladstone's cabinet were Lord Hatherley, Mr. Lowe, Mr. Bruce, Lord Granville, Mr. Bright, and Mr. Childers. During its five-year tenure of office, it showed a great activity in every branch of administrative reform. This could only have been maintained by a large majority in Parliament, directed by a chief of exceptional ability, at a time when the feeling of the country was wrought to an unusual strain. Its first efforts were directed to the removal of Irish grievances by the disestablishment of the Irish Church and the regulation of Irish land. The country had determined by the elections that the Irish branch of the Church of England should cease to exist under state protection. The working out of that change was difficult and complicated. The arrangements proposed by Mr. Gladstone were passed by large majorities in the House of Commons and met with no serious opposition in the House of Lords. Experience has shown the wisdom of the measure, and the large surplus resulting from it still remains to be applied to the material benefit of the country. The Irish Land Act, passed in the session of 1870, was a matter of greater difficulty. Its object was to give such security to the tenant as might induce him to spend money in improving his holding, to lend money to landlords to be spent in improvements, to put a restraint on hasty and unjust evictions, and to establish a ready means of arbitration between landlord and tenant. The bill, though full of complicated provisions, met with little opposition in either house and became law on the 1st of August. The same session was occupied with another measure of first-rate importance. Mr. W. E. Forster produced a comprehensive education act to deal with primary education, that namely of the poorer classes. Time was given for different religious denominations to supply deficiencies in existing schools, but if that were not done, school boards were to be created who should provide at the cost of the ratepayer a cheap, universal, and unsectarian education. The result has surpassed the most sanguine hopes. Every year since the passing of the Act, the number of ignorant children has diminished. A great lift has been given to the educational system of the country. Universities and public schools have undergone revision, and the country now only waits for the organized instruction of the middle classes. Book 8, Chapter 2, War Between France and Germany This peaceful progress at home was not without violent contrast abroad. Since the defeat of Austria in 1866, a strong jealousy had existed between France and Prussia. War broke out suddenly in July 1870. The successes of the Germans were rapid and unexpected. The French army was driven back from the Rhine. It was cut into two parts by a series of bloody battles. Marshal Bazaine was shut up with a large army in Metz. The emperor was driven into the Ardennes. 
Here he was surrounded by the consummate skill of Moltke and forced to surrender at Sedan on September 1st. On receipt of the news, the empire was abolished in Paris, the empress and her son fled to England. Paris was invested by the German army and soon began to suffer from famine. The siege was prolonged throughout the winter. About the middle of January, the success of the Germans became certain, and on January 18th, King William of Prussia was saluted as German emperor in the Galerie des Glaces at Versailles. Peace was made shortly afterwards. Alsace and Lorraine were ceded to Germany, and an indemnity of two hundred millions paid for the expenses of the war. The English government had, with great skill and patience, preserved the neutrality of the nation. This was tried most severely when the Russian government repudiated the clauses of the Treaty of Paris referring to the Black Sea. The matter was amicably settled at a conference in London. The session of 1871 was not idle. Purchase in the army was abolished. The English civil service was made attainable by competition. The universities were thrown open to the whole country without regard to religious denominations. Trades unions were recognized by the law, and the powers of local government were extended to country districts. In the winter, the Prince of Wales became seriously ill, and in the middle of December the whole country waited in suspense for tidings of life and death. Before the beginning of the year, he was out of danger. Book Eight, Chapter Three, Liberal Reverses. In 1872, a system was adopted of electing members of Parliament by ballot, or secret voting. This measure had long been urged by advanced Liberals and opposed by Conservatives. But the chief event of the year was the settlement of the so-called Alabama Claims, that is, the compensation for damage done by this and other privateers in the American War. In accordance with the Treaty of Washington, these matters were arranged in a conference held at Geneva, in which the chief living authorities on international law formed the tribunal. The award was given against England, and a sum of nearly four millions had to be paid to America, but friendship between the two countries was restored at this small price, and a new principle of arbitration was asserted in public affairs. The session of 1873 was intended by the government to remove another Irish grievance by establishing a system of Catholic university education. The measure had been carefully prepared by Mr. Gladstone, and it was introduced with good hope of success. But it was soon found that it satisfied neither party. The government were defeated, and the ministry resigned. Mr. Disraeli, however, refused to take office, and the seals were resumed by their former holders. A few changes were made in the cabinet, and a judicature bill was passed, remodeling our whole system of judicial procedure. The government was weakened and discredited, Seat after seat was won by the Conservatives. The Liberal majority became every day smaller and less compact. At last, in the beginning of 1874, Mr. Gladstone determined to appeal to the country, and to the surprise of everybody, 
in january parliament was dissolved in five years the majority of liberal supporters had dwindled from one hundred and sixteen to sixty-six the result of the elections was a triumph for the conservatives the cabinet did not wait for the meeting of parliament mr disraeli accepted office as premier supported by lord derby lord salisbury lord carnarvon sir s northcote mr cross and mr hardy shortly after this mr gladstone announced that he had retired for ever from the leadership of the liberal party End of section eight